Welcome to the C12 Podcast. C12 is a college and young adult ministry where 20-somethings at 12 Stone Church gather on Thursday nights. We hope you are encouraged and guided by today's message. How are you? Everybody doing well? Yeah, everybody good? Listen, the message for tonight is when I tried it with butter, everything changed. I really feel like that's all we need to say. Yes, amen. We got an amen over here. That's true for almost anything, right? When you try it with butter, everything changed. I also love that tonight is, is Throwback Thursday, and it's a throwback uh, to the 90s. Uh, how many of you, you were all born in the 90s? No? No? Is, oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't think I can do it, everybody. I don't think I can make it. I'm not sure I can do it. Uh, I, was, I was ushered into adulthood. I was in college in the 90s. Uh, which is, it's just, now this is just confessions from me to you. And so we can all celebrate that together. You're eating the snacks you had as children. I didn't even, I'm going to eat the snacks I ate when I was a poor college student. So we can commiserate together about what that's going to be like later. Well, hey, we are going to jump in to our last week of a series. And the series is called, What Would Jesus Undo? Right? Like you've all seen the bracelets, the WWJD bracelets, like what would Jesus do? But sometimes I think it's worth asking another question, what would Jesus undo? And before we get into that, I want to tell you a story. Is that all right? It's a real life story. It happened just a few short months ago. I was at one of our campuses on a Sunday morning. And after the 11 o'clock service, one of the parking volunteers from the campus frantically, frantically came in to the lobby where I was, and I said, they said, I need a staff member in the parking lot right away. And I mean, the dude was serious. Like, he, it was urgent. You could tell in his eyes, something is happening in the parking lot, and I'm not so sure that I want to go there, but I'm going to go. So I decide I'm going to go to the parking lot, and we're walking out, and it's like, man, tell me about what's happened. And he goes, well, during the 11 o'clock service, one of the couples who was attending the service had their car stolen. Yeah, it's serious, right? And they said, we've already called the police, but we just need a staff person out there to talk with them. So I'm walking out. As the police arrive, the police get to this couple the same time I get to this couple, and the police start asking all the police questions, right? Tell me about the make and model of the car, Tell me, like, do you know the license plate number? Do you know the insurance policy number? Do you know the vehicle identification number? And guess what they said to all those questions? No, right? Because they're normal human beings. And who of us knows that right now off the top of our head? One of us does. Okay, well, of course. Of course, that's how it goes. So here's what happens. They said, listen, we can tell you the make and model of the car, but we don't have any of that information on us. It's all at home. And by this point in time, a couple more staff members from the campus came out. And we thought, we've got to take good care of this couple. This has been really traumatic for them. So let's find a way to get them home. Let's make sure we get them lunch so they're taken care of. Another staff member was like, hey, we've got security cameras. Let's make sure we're getting that security footage. Let's get it to the police officers so they know what to look for. The police officer is back at the police car. And she's typing in the info to open a case number. She gives the case number to this couple so that when they go home, they can get all the information and add it to the case number. I mean, we are at level 10 alert for 30 full minutes. And then this couple looks very sheepish. And they said to us, oh, yeah, you know what's coming. 
we forgot we drove our daughter's car to church this morning. Yeah. Listen, I'm going to be honest because I'm a terrible person. I've told this story about 30 times since then. And every time I tell it, there's a thought that crosses my mind. And I bet it's the same, the same thought that's crossing your mind right now. At what point in that 30 minutes did it occur to them that they drove their daughter's car to church that morning? Right? Like, at what point did they realize, I don't know if I should quit this act or I should keep up with this act just to save face. But at some point they realized it's easier for me to tell the truth than to recover if I let this go too long, right? Have you ever been there? Have you ever been there where there's a story you started about yourself, about your experience, about your life that wasn't accurate? It wasn't true. But you felt pressure to keep the story going because the pain of keeping the story going wasn't as high as the pain of telling the truth until it is, right? Where, where the persona you're projecting and the person you actually are are growing further and further and further apart. You know that we have a term for that. Does anybody know what it is? It's hypocrisy, right? It's hypocrisy. And I think as we're talking about what Jesus would undo, we could create a long list of things but if you read through the New Testament and you listen to the words of Jesus, I believe that the number one thing that Jesus would undo is hypocrisy. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you would say that you know a hypocrite? Just raise your hands. Oh gosh, look around the room for a second. How many of you would say you're sitting next to them right now? Don't raise your hand on that, just kidding. Wow, some of you threw someone else next to you under the bus so fast. Let's pray. I'm just <laughs> healing in the room, Jesus, please, make it happen. Here's what's true. If we're honest, we can all say we have all been affected by hypocrisy where we've gotten hurt, where we've gotten lied to, where we've been betrayed because someone that we trusted and believed was different than who they said they were. And can we have an honest conversation about it? I don't know that that happens any more publicly than it does when it happens in the church. Would you agree? If we had time and we went around the room, we could all share stories about how we were hurt or damaged by not just hypocrisy, but specifically by someone that you knew that you loved, that you thought loved you inside the church that did something hypocritical and it left damage. I could tell that story from my life. There was a pastor at the church I grew up in that we were super close with he and his family. They came over to our house for dinner regularly. My parents hung out with them. He was like a mentor to me. And he ended up having an affair. And then he just broke contact with me altogether. And thank God that through conversation and counseling and things like that, that there was healing that was been able to been that was brought into my life. But it still hurt, right? We can't shy away from those conversations. Hypocrisy in the church is a big deal. As a matter of fact, there's a quote. Let's take a look at it together. 
It's a quote by a man named Brennan Manning. He's a, he's a writer and a pastor and a speaker. This is what he said. The single greatest cause of atheism in the world today is Christians who acknowledge Jesus with their lips, then walk out the door and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what an unbelieving world simply finds unbelievable. Right? Can we all agree together that hypocrisy is a problem? Yeah, can we all agree together that if Jesus could change it, if he could undo it, it would be, if not at the top of the list, number one on the list of what he would choose to undo? Yeah, I agree, but I want to talk about it together because I believe that Jesus has a lot to say about it. And I believe he has a lot to say about it, maybe for a different reason than we think, and we're going to get into that a little bit later in the course of our time together tonight. But before we get into that, I really feel like it's important that we get on the same page about exactly what we're talking about when we talk about hypocrisy. Fair? So like all good definitions, let's start with what hypocrisy is not before we, what, before we talk about what hypocrisy is, okay? Hypocrisy is not the gap between what we do and what we wish we did. That is not hypocrisy, right? Can, can I ask an honest question of everyone in the room? How many of you would say that you are perfect, you've arrived, you are exactly the person you hope to be for the rest of your natural life? Anyone? Me neither, as hard as that is to believe looking at me here on stage right now. Now, that was a joke. I don't know if, I don't know if you thought that I really believed that. If, here's another rule of thumb when you're communicating. If you have to tell the room it's a joke, it's probably not funny. So that's just a lesson for me to learn. I'll make a note of that in my notes, and we'll, we'll leave that out the next time. For all of us, there's a gap that exists between the person that we are and the person we aspire to become. There's a gap that exists in the follower of Jesus that we currently are and the follower of Jesus that we hope to become. Would you agree with that? Because there are things that we're praying for God to do in our life. There are areas we're trying to grow, where we're seeking wise counsel, where we're learning, where we're reading about, where we're hearing messages on it. And we're growing in our faith and our relationship with Jesus. You are not the same person today you were a year ago. You will not be the same person a year from now that you currently are right now. Amen, right? That's great news. That's great news. Except for me, because I've already arrived. I tried the joke again. Did it land better this time? Thank you so much. No, it's a firm no. So fast from the room. Really enjoyed it so far. This has been a great night. Thanks for having me. Okay. So we've, we've discovered what hypocrisy is not. So then let's agree together what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the gap between who we say we are and how we actually live. Let me say that again so that we can let it sink in and we can all get on the same page. Hypocrisy is the gap between who we say we are and how we actually live. I think the best way to understand that is to get back to the root of the word hypocrisy. The word hypocrisy is a Greek word. It comes from the word hypocrites, which is fun to say. You can take that out at parties and impress your friends. Enjoy. Hupokrites. The word hupokrites is a Greek word that literally refers to a stage actor. 
a person playing a role on a stage. I don't know if you know this about Greek drama or not. I didn't know it until I started reading and preparing for this message, that all Greek actors that acted in Greek uh, plays wore masks. They looked a lot like this. Let's see if we have a picture of them. There they are. Beautiful, isn't it? Eh, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. So here are the pictures. One of them is obviously very happy. I don't know if he's happy because he has horns, if he's happy because he got news they're going to be removed. I don't know what the whole story is with this guy, uh, but he is happy. The one obviously over there to your right is very sad. Now, here's one of the reasons why they wore masks. They wore masks, number one, because in a large room, they wanted the people to be able to see the expression on the face of the actor. But the more important reason why they wore masks had nothing to do with someone seeing the expression. It was so that the same person could play multiple roles. They wore a mask so the same person could be two different people. And if I were going to sum up what hypocrisy is, that's exactly how I would describe it. It's someone wearing a mask so they could play two different roles. Do you ever find yourself in that position where you feel like you're trapped between who you really are and who you're portraying yourself to be? Where you've lost the freedom to be your honest, authentic self because you think that the people around you need you to be the person you pretended to be to continue to keep them happy. Or maybe, if we're going to be really honest, to be the person that you need yourself to be so that you can feel satisfied by keeping them happy. Can I be honest for a second? That is an exhausting way to live life. That is an exhausting way to live life. And there were a group of people in the New Testament that have become famous over time for their hypocrisy. It's a group of people called the Pharisees. You guys heard of the Pharisees before? Yeah, heard of the Pharisees? Let me tell you a little bit about the Pharisees. They were a wonderful pe people to be around. There were about 6,000 of them that lived in Jerusalem and Israel, and they were religious leaders. They were experts in the law, and by law, I mean not the ones that the Senate created, but the law that was given in Scripture, the Jewish law that you can find in the Old Testament. They were scribes, which meant that they were the ones that were uh, appointed to keep track of all of that information, and they would write it down. And they just became famous for being ruthless about following the law. They became known for being ruthless about making sure that not just they followed all the rules, but that everyone else in the nation of Israel and all of the other people around them followed the rules. They became so obsessed with following the rules that they created extra rules just to make sure no one got close to breaking the actual rules. That's bonkers. You want to know how many they created? 613 additional laws to make sure you didn't break the actual laws. Sounds like a group of people you want to invite to a party, right? I bet they'd be a blast to just have hanging out. Right? No, I think there's two kinds of people in every room. There are rule followers and there are rule breakers, right? Rule followers like, just let me know where the boundaries are and what the playing field is and I will stay between those lines all the time. And then there are other people, uh, maybe I'm this way a little bit, 
that when you hear a rule, the first thought that crosses your mind is, I bet I can find a loophole. Uh, I bet I can find a way to not follow that rule, but, not, you know, not actually break it. You know, like just find, like a little loophole. Like just find a little way around it. Well, the Pharisees wanted no part of that. To the point that they would say, if you don't follow all the rules, then you can't possibly be godly. That the only sign of godliness is your ability to follow the rules. Guys, that's a damaging thought. Do you know that that's not what the Bible teaches? And that's not what Jesus taught. But somewhere along the line, even in the church today, we've bought into a lie in thinking that to love Jesus means I follow all the rules. That's not what Jesus said. As a matter of fact, let's look at what Jesus said. Because Jesus had his harshest words reserved for the Pharisees, for the hypocrites. And in Matthew chapter 23, it's famous amongst biblical scholars and theologians in this passage, it's called the seven woes. Because there are seven statements in this passage that all start off with the phrase, woe to you. So let's take a look at one of them where he is specifically talking to the Pharisees. In Matthew chapter 23, verse 27, this is what it says. Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you, what's the next word? Hypocrites. You actors. You're fake. You're like whitewashed tombs, which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of the bones of the dead and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you are full of hypocrisy and wickedness. You snakes, brood of vipers, how, you, how will you escape being condemned to hell? Let me ask you a question. Does that sound like Jesus meek and mild? No, that's Jesus coming in hot, right? He found a problem and he said, this is a massive problem. The problem was that the Pharisees, because of their laws, were keeping people from coming to Jesus. They thought their rules were helping people get to God. What was happening in reality, it was keeping people from actually engaging and encountering who God really was. That's a problem. It went so far that in this passage, Jesus actually called them names. Whitewashed tombs, right? Beautiful on the outside, on the inside, full of dead, decaying, rotting flesh. He called them snakes, brood of vipers. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you were driving on 85 and someone cut you off and the insult of choice you gave them in your car was brood of vipers? Anybody? Let's commit together. Let's bring it back, right? What if we all just said, let's bring it back. Let's, let's set a trend. Let's make brood of vipers popular again. No, because that's true, I want to put this in a more contemporary context. So I brought what admittedly is a pretty gross illustration. Thank you, yeah. Uh, how many of you would say that you're chocolate uh, people? Like, you love chocolate. Yes, I also love chocolate. If, if someone were to ask me my favorite dessert, here's what I would say. My favorite dessert is whatever you can do to get the most amount of chocolate into any one dessert. Like, give me a piece of chocolate cake with chocolate icing that's got chocolate sprinkles and chocolate shavings. Maybe there's chocolate chips in the cake. You can put some chocolate sauce on it and serve it with chocolate ice cream. That's what I would choose. I love chocolate. Anybody else? Oh, yeah, for sure. 
But there are some things that, if we're honest, absolutely do not go with chocolate. I know, I thought everything went with chocolate. But I think we'll all agree in just a moment that not everything, in fact, does go with chocolate. So I brought some things tonight that don't go with chocolate. Oh, for sure. This is tuna salad. Right. This is tuna salad. Tuna salad does not go with chocolate. It's a lot like, if we think about it, the fact that hypocrisy doesn't go with Christianity. Oh, it got real, real fast in here. We were laughing when we were just talking about tuna salad. Like, think about this. Anybody ever, um, you were doing your quiet time, your devotions, you're reading your Bible, you're taking some notes, it was the perfect fall day, you had a fresh cup of coffee, and you were like, oh, I gotta, I gotta post this. The world needs to see this perfect moment. And so you get the lighting just right, you get the Bible open just right, you get your journal on the side just right with the pen at the right angle, right? And the coffee cup is there and the steam is coming up off the cup, the cup of coffee and you take a picture and it's like hashtag blessed, hashtag time with Jesus, <laughs> hashtag life is good, right? Can we be honest for a second? When you spend more time staging the photo than you do engaging the word, that's being different in what you're doing than who you're portraying yourself to be. That's hypocrisy. Can we be honest about that? And here's what that's like. It's like saying, this is what's really happening under the surface. But maybe if I just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of religion on top of it, that it makes it better, that it makes it okay. Let me ask you a question. Is this appetizing? No. But here's the deal. If this isn't appetizing to us, that's exactly what our hypocrisy is like to Jesus. Right? Sometimes our hypocrisy is like uh, olives. These are, don't, listen, these are jalapeno queen olives. Yes, I had one earlier. They're delicious. I did not, though, dip it in chocolate. And so sometimes our hypocrisy is like these olives. Where we say, you know, we should value people. They, don't, they are very committed to staying in this jar. They don't want to be a part of this illustration. <laughs> I don't blame them, honestly. I'm up here. It's, it's very unpleasant. You get the picture, right? It's like saying, you know, we should all love and serve and value people as much as we can all the time. Except for those three or four people that really work on my nerves. I can gossip about those jokers. I can say bad things about them. I get together with my friends because we're all on the same page about how terrible they are. And we can make fun of them and we can mock them and we can laugh at them and we can tear them down and we can do whatever we want. But we should love and serve and value all people. That is hypocrisy. And so what we do is we take the way that we actually act and we just try to sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on the top. And we think that that's what makes it appetizing. These are uh, beef kidneys. 
Yeah. Listen, I don't like it either, everyone. So just let's all hang out together for a minute. This is like saying, nope, Jesus is my everything. Jesus is my everything. He's my everything. And I will follow him no matter what. My whole life is his. And then we go home and we're by ourselves. We visit that website one more time. We go back to that relationship that doesn't honor God one more time. There's the things that we do in the dark in our private moments that we would never say aloud, that we would never want broadcast anymore, that we would never post on Instagram, ever. But we think that if we just sprinkle a little bit of Jesus on top, that that's okay. This is what we've made the Christian life. This is what we've made following Jesus. We've made it about keeping all the mess as it was and then just sprinkling a little bit of Jesus on the top and thinking that everything is fine. That's not the gospel. That's not what Jesus wants for you. Life can be so much better than that, so much more fulfilling, so much more freeing than this. Who is this appetizing to? Nobody. I don't want this. You don't want this. Of everything that we see people do in the New Testament, know this. Jesus can't stand hypocrisy. He has zero tolerance for it, none. But the good news is this. He does offer us a solution. He offers us hope. That's what Jesus always does. That's what the gospel is, by the way. That there is nothing that is ever, ever too far gone, too broken, too ir irreparable that the gospel can't reach it and restore it and bring it back. There is nothing. And so here's Jesus' instructions to the Pharisees on how to do it the right way. Check this out. Woe to you, teachers of the law. Sound familiar? Pharisees, you what? Hypocrites. You clean the outside of the cup and the dish. But inside, they're full of greed and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisees, now catch this because this is the solution. He says, first, clean what? The inside of the cup. First clean the inside of the cup, and then everything about the cup becomes clean. Like, you would never just wash a dirty cup on the outside and go, well, love to pour something into that. Because you'd look at the inside and go, that's it, that's gross. See, here's the deal. When he's calling out the Pharisees, he's not calling out their sin, he's calling out the show. The problem with the Pharisees is not that the inside of the cup is dirty. That's not what he's calling out. What he's calling out is the fact that they're pretending like they've got it all together when on the inside, they're whitewashed tombs just full of dead bones. They're just a dirty cup pouring out dirty drink. 
But if you really want to know what Jesus is after, listen to this. This is what it says in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 8. This is Jesus quoting the book of Isaiah. He was talking about the nation of Israel. And he said this, these people honor me with their lips, but what is far from them? What does it say? Their hearts. Somewhere along the line, we missed the point to what Christianity is all about. And we made it about rules. Listen, Jesus didn't die on the cross as a behavior modification strategy. Jesus died on the cross to buy back your heart. Jesus died on the cross so that we could clean the inside of the cup. He didn't die on the cross so that you would just follow all the rules. That's not the gospel. You can follow the rules out of your own strength. We've given the answer to what it means to follow Jesus as try harder. Jesus gave the answers of what it means to follow him as draw nearer. Guys, the answer to hypocrisy is not to just try, like, I'll just do what I'm doing harder. I don't even know what that looks like. I'll just follow the rules more. No, just draw close to him. Because here's what's true. The more you spend time with him, the more like him you become. That invites freedom. This is true for me because this thought transformed my spiritual journey. I'm almost embarrassed to say it. I was in grad school and I was training to become a pastor. And there was a mentor that I had at the time and I was talking to him about some things that I was wrestling through, personal things. And this is what he said to me. Well, we can talk about those, but you probably should never let the people you're leading in your church know about that kind of thing. Because there needs to be a gap, you know, like a holy mystique between pastors and then everybody else. It's good advice, right? No, that's terrible advice. Because here's what that did to me. I started my career as a pastor thinking that it didn't matter what was really happening behind the scenes, as long as I portrayed all the right things in front of people, that everything was fine, that everything was great. It undid me. Because there's no freedom in living life that way. Because when all you care about is people's perceptions of you, then that becomes your God. And it can never ever, ever fulfill you. Jesus didn't come to change your behavior. He came to rescue your heart. And I had to get back to the place where I understood that. What had happened was that I became a full-time pastor and a part-time Christian. That is a bad recipe. Not just because I was a pastor, but because for any of us, whether you're a full-time student and a part-time Christian or a full-time employee and a part-time Christian, fill in the blank with whatever you want. The freedom and fullness of the gospel is not meant to be a part-time job. And here's why that matters. 
Here's why that matters. We already talked about it. Jesus had zero tolerance for hypocrisy. But he has unlimited grace for sinners. He has zero tolerance for hypocrisy, but unlimited grace for sinners. The biggest problem with hypocrisy is that people who engage in it can't admit where they're broken, can't admit where they have need, can't admit that there are things that are happening in their life that need healing and hope and wholeness brought in. But that's the offer of the gospel. Jesus himself said this, I didn't come to call the righteous, I came to call sinners to repentance. He said, I did it so that they might have life and have it to the full. But here's the hardest thing about hypocrisy. It's really easy to spot in other people. It's almost impossible to spot it in ourselves. But Jesus offers hope. And the first step to receiving that hope is just coming to a place again where you drop the hypocrisy, where you drop the mask. And you just accept the fact that you're a sinner in need of a savior. Because Jesus has unending tolerance and unending grace for people who are willing to admit their need. So I don't know where you are when you came in tonight. You might be walking with Jesus for years. But maybe there are some things happening where you're portraying a different picture of who you are publicly than who you are privately. There's grace for you tonight if you would just admit the fact that you're a sinner that needs grace. Maybe you're here tonight and you've been wounded by someone being hypocritical in the church. And it's been hard to let that go. Listen, trust me, I understand. I get it. But Jesus would say this, there's still hope and there's still healing because my grace is unending. Don't allow someone else's hypocrisy to keep you from the gift of the gospel. Maybe you're here tonight and it's your first time here, maybe you've been coming a couple times, and you're still just checking this whole thing out. And for the longest time, you thought that the offer of following Jesus was just you submitting to a different set of rules. And this is the first time that you realized that it has nothing to do with rules, but everything to do with grace. Don't we all need that? Yeah, so tonight, maybe tonight is the night that you respond and say, Jesus, I need you. I need your grace. I am broken. I am a sinner. And I need you. So we're going to have a chance to respond to that no matter which category you fall into. In a moment, I'm going to pray for us. But maybe what you need to do is use your seat tonight as an altar. To invite the Holy Spirit to search your heart. To point out to you in your life where there's, where there's a gap that exists between who you say you are and who you actually are and invite Jesus in to heal that gap, to bring wholeness back in. You can use your seat as an altar.
Maybe you're here tonight and you need to respond to the gospel for the very first time. There's gonna be a prayer team down here in the front in just a moment. They would love to talk with you. They would love to pray with you. And maybe you're sitting there tonight and going, I just, I don't know what to do. I just need somebody to pray for me. Then you come too. So I'm gonna pray. We're gonna create space. There's not gonna be singing for a while. We just want you to have room for just you and Jesus to have a conversation about what it is he's asking you to do tonight. So let me pray, and then when I say amen, you respond. Jesus, I'm so grateful that you are a God of grace. It's never been about rules. It's never been about following a list of do's and don'ts. But Jesus, it's always been about our heart. I pray for all of us in this room that we would understand the depths you went to to restore our relationship back to you by giving up your life on the cross so that we could be reunited with you. Father, forgive us for times where we've made it just about behavior modification and not about the ransom of our soul, the ransom of our heart. So Jesus, because you can, we invite you to speak to each person in this room as only you can do. Father, you love them so much. Would they experience that tonight? Jesus, we love you. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the C12 podcast today. To stay connected with C12, make sure to follow us on Instagram at C12Stone. One of the best ways to get connected with others and grow in your relationship with God is jumping into a small group. To sign up for small groups, go to 12stone.com slash small groups and search college. We hope to see you next week.